Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. Hello, thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope you're taking care of yourself and finding ways to stay productive, energized, and focused. Uh, my name is Mary Fox, and I'm the co-founder and CEO at Marlowe. And today I've invited David Mann to join us to talk about the impact COVID-19 is having performance management and accountability. David is a people lead for Google Cloud's security products group and also a Marlowe advisor. And before moving to Google, David led people operations at Circle CI. And he's led organizational development and change management throughout his career at a number of impressive organizations. You can read more about David's background um, on his LinkedIn profile. I'll share that in the the show notes, as well as his bio that we'll also share in the show notes. Um, David, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks for making time for us. Um, So the topic that's been weighing on people's minds is really how do we as leaders make sure our companies are staying healthy and I mean that in like all the different types of health possible, right? Um, how, how do we make sure our employees are staying physically and mentally healthy? And how do we make sure that our cultures are staying healthy when we suddenly got pulled out of this face-to-face interaction and into more of a remote environment? Um, but of course, how do we stay financially healthy? I know a lot of organizations are having to make super tough decisions around uh, which team members they can keep on board and, and which ones they'll have to furlough or, or let go. Um, and so as these conversations have been coming up more and more with the people that I work with, um, it became clear to me that we needed to have a deep dive into the topic with an expert on the subject uh, to to share a little bit more around what should we be thinking about today in the world of COVID-19 versus um, what should we just be remembering from before it all happened, you know, really going back to our roots and making sure we know how to manage for performance within our organizations. Um, So as companies are figuring out how to navigate this, you have employees on the one hand who maybe aren't as, um, as impacted by this as others, right? Maybe they're sort of feeling like they could take even more work on. And on the other hand, you have employees who are really just trying to, to stay above the waterline, you know, being able to breathe right now and uh, juggle competing priority. Um, so, so that's what we're talking about. David's gonna lead us through this conversation. And then after his presentation, we will move into Q&A. David, does that work for you? It totally works for me. Excellent, well, why don't you kick us off? All right, let me uh, share my screen here. Let's get to... All right. Accountability in COVID-19. I think it's great. This phrase that you just mentioned before it all happened um, is a a fascinating phrase for the time that we're in. And I think when it comes down to uh, accountability and and, um, and, and just leadership in general, um, Mary, I think the even before it all happened, there was a struggle going on. Um, And so this is a timely conversation because there's some new things that we have to contend with given the the current status that we're in. And then there's some old things that are rearing their their, um, less than beautiful faces once again. And I feel like we have to to contemplate how to sift through all these things. And so that's a a bit of what I thought we would focus on here. Um, And so I'm positioning this in in terms of like what's new and what isn't, because as, as, as different a time as this is, not everything is different. Not everything is is brand new. And and as I'm uh, alluding to, there are some recurring themes here with things we struggle with uh, when it comes to to running a profitable business and and holding folks accountable for helping. So a couple of things for for this talk that I want to focus on um, in terms of how we'll kind of structure our time. There is a new normal, and it's important that we have to acknowledge that. And, And part of that is unpacking a little bit about what's changed and what didn't. 
Um, and um, there may be a new set of environmental concerns that folks are concerned with, but basic profitability levels still exist. The, the different functions within a company are still there to perform their core things. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, an extension of that is figuring out what are the best practices that we can tap into um, in this new era to, to really thrive in this, this time? Uh, it is not easy. It is a, a, an ongoing struggle. So we'll talk about some of the practices that I've seen be really useful. And hopefully down the road, we'll hear from some other folks as things continue to iterate and people get better at this new normal. Uh, we'll be able to infuse this conversation with, with even more kind of groundbreaking uh, new ideas. And then we'll, we'll finish with like what your next move might be. Uh, a set of steps, um, things that I'd recommend that folks do. I have with my colleagues on a regular basis that are informing some. And so I think it's important to some of that. Um, so does that sound good? Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks for, for preparing us. Sure thing. Okay. So, oops, let's see here. Here we go. So what's changed and, and what didn't? So there are things that are unique to this moment in time um, that were not here. The, the need for us to have what I would describe as day part flexibility is now more pressing than ever. Um, you've got kids you're, you're caring for, you have pets that need to be walked, you have parents that need to be attended to, and you have to somehow mask up and go to the grocery store um, during sometimes restrictive hours. So there's a, a, a prioritization and flexibility that has to happen within one's ecosystem. It is no longer, I go to work, I'm at work for a prescribed chunk of time, and then I come home. And while I'm at work, I do all work things. Everything is blending together now, and this is creating a real real need to pay attention to priorities, to manage in day parts as I, as I think about it, and that's a, a term used in, in retail um, pretty readily, um, but it really does now apply to all of us, whereas you might in a restaurant have a morning rush, well, look around. We have morning rushes in our homes now, and that's getting kids ready to do their online schooling and things like that. So similarly, um, with, with all of that happening, we do have to think about time a little differently. Our priorities are in flux constantly. Um, priorities shift based on customer needs, based on market demands and things like that. That happens always at a meta level, but there's an accelerated pace as there is a manic sense in most marketplaces around survival. And survival cuts right to the core of our instinct um, for how we're going to prolong longevity. And when you are in that, it's a bit of a fight or flight response mode, you have to be constantly prioritizing and triaging um, what happens in terms of the priorities. And so that is very new. There is an intensity that is new to this that I think is shocking for folks. And we'll talk about kind of change saturation as a result of that in a few minutes. Um, this need for asynchronous work has always been present in most workplaces. You have colleagues on the other side of the country or in another town or city someplace. Well, now, not only are we distributed in, as we were, um, but because of that first sentence up, uh, uh, bullet up above around flexibility within the day, like I might not be available for our standing 11 a.m. call uh, when, in, you know, when we were in the office, it was all cool and easy because at 11, I've got to be making for my kids or something like that. And so asynchronous work still has to happen in a, in a much more intense, prioritized way. And this is a steep learning curve to climb. Uh, for most folks who are not used to working in a Google Doc or something like that, leaving comments and having those comments picked up, carried to the next level and the next iteration, this can be unsettling. Um, and that manifests, Mary, a lot of times in terms of ownership. People start, I don't want to say freaking out because it's a good term to use. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's fair and it's happening. It's, right? Like I put this deck out there for someone to work on knowing we have to present it in two days and I'm, I am unable to look at it. So gosh, I hope they carry it forward, right? Um, 
And to a degree, that has always been part of work. And, and as we've gotten more distributed and more remote, that some companies really are good at that. My prior company was excellent at it. But um, for folks who are not used to working this way, there are some major thresholds to get over. Um, and that's really hard. Um, this next bullet around greater demands on some, you know, I mentioned having kids or, or elders we're caring for, like you just don't know what's going on behind the other side of that screen sometimes. And unless you get the errant child or dog or someone coming into a screen, it's really safe to assume that it's just this. And I think it's a faulty assumption to do that. And, uh, and, and because of that, some folks are, are just seeing a spike in the amount of um, stress that they're carrying and the burden they're, they're, they're bearing um, with that in mind. And so that's, that, is, that is just straight up new for some folks. Again, at this level, of an, um, it's, it's kind of unheard of. And so it does require um, a new way of approaching. Um, the last thing here is for those of us who are leaders, there is a heightened requirement for us to show up as our best selves um, and to lead with empathy um, and to constantly be checking in and pausing um, before you jump into the agenda of the day and just saying, hey, how are you doing? How is your family? I know this is a concern. I know you're worried about your, your, you know, your aunt who, who is in the hospital. How is she doing? Like, take the time kind of in a go slow to go fast mindset um, and really connect deeply and authentically with folks. This is the time when great leaders are going to shine. And this is also the time when leaders who are lacking empathy are going to stand out like a sore thumb. Um, so wherever you are in that spectrum from awesome to working on it, um, move it forward, move it forward, slow yourself down, be present, take time to connect with your folks in, in a meaningful, personal way um, that demonstrates that you care and do care. Um, that's important. Um, but show that, that you are not unaware of the challenges and the trials and tribulations of their everyday being. These are things that none of us woke up uh, on New Year's Day of January 1st with uh, uh, an awareness to having to behave in these areas uh, in a new way. And this is all our current. Um, so lots has changed, right? Lots is new. Lots is, is operating a higher intensity. There's also a bunch of stuff that hasn't changed, um, to be clear. We still should be developing new skills. We, we are lifelong learners. We are always um, curious and, and hopefully open to new possibilities. That hasn't changed. It may be a smaller slice of our day or our, our, you know, our mind share, if you will, but the need to continue to grow and evolve is still there, um, particularly as we're stuck in the same four-walled places more and more. Like We have to find ways to integrate new ideas and, and new ways of thinking, potentially skills into our our existence. Otherwise, it can get very stale um, and it's easy to start kind of regressing um, and feel the emotional um, burden of this reality. If you're um, The need for goals that are clear and objectives that are aligned is still very present. It is always going to be present. Um, so I won't, won't harp on that anymore uh, other than to say it's, it's always going to be there. Um, the bar for performance is still there. Um, keeping that bar high, holding standards is always going to be there. Um, and this, you know, particularly in a time of great challenge, um, you can certainly feel comfort in relaxing uh, performance levels, but do not dismiss them. Do not get too far away from what optimal performance looks like, because people will remember that and um, they will want to aspire um, to do the best work possible. Even if it's only a small percentage of what they might have done in the past, they still want and crave excellence. They still want and crave 
um, feedback. And, and that's really important. It kind of gets us um, the need for affiliation and connection. Like we feel it greatly. We are socially distancing. That is not how humans are supposed to live. Um, we don't belong in, in confined boxes or apartment. And uh, it doesn't matter how big your house is, it can still feel very small. Um, so the need to, con to, to connect through Zoom and, and other channels as we're doing today um, is great. And the need to have conversations um, that are not only about work is so I think um, that uh, has always been a part of office life. We've always had the benefit of that bumping into each other, grabbing coffee at a cafe or kitchen, like that's always been part of the um, employment contract, if you will. Um, so that hasn't changed. It has gotten a little more intense, but it's still there. And then finally, um, a company is nothing if not for its people. Um, and if nothing, uh, it's nothing if not for its ability to profitably operate. And so the need to be um, thinking about customers, the need to be thinking about innovation, the need to be thinking about sustainability, um, and growing and, and managing a well-organized is still very present. Um, and good leaders will keep their eye on that prize and, and allocate resources into the, the, the delivery of those um, objectives and, and uh, requirements for long-term growth. Okay, uh, let's talk about how you keep, um, keep folks uh, aligned. Um, given all the things that have changed, and, and again, some of the things that haven't, um, I, I'm finding that uh, with most of my colleagues who are really success, su successfully um, handling this time, there is constant um, checking in on OKRs and objectives and things like that. And just asking, has anything changed? Um, what's changed? Is this still the priority? And again, running your workflow um, or your, your weekly tasks and meetings and such like, um, pardon the phrase, but like an emergency room and triaging, I mean, terrible timing, right? But there is something the reality, to, right? That's, right? That is how we're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, an otherwise um, mundane metaphor, uh, uh, you know, takes on extra burden and, and weight at this time, but it's true. Like when you are in a triage environment, you do what needs to be done first and what needs to be done second, second, and you don't have any cloudiness about that. Um, that really is how uh, an accountable team should be functioned. That's really important um, underscored enough. Um, I think there's a great opportunity with that responsibility to, to create and introduce new channels uh, for communicating the changes. Um, and whether it's a, a, a 15 minute stand up every morning or every other day or something like that, that just breaks a routine and creates a new one where real time information is shared um, and consumed and digested figuring out what that looks like for you and your team is really important. Um, as the targets shift, you can't expect people to, um, to map to them unless you take the time to align them to what's changing and why, um, what's asked of them, and really connect the dots as to here's what we need to be doing differently and here's what I need you to be, what questions do you have, what do you need to do this successfully. Um, I think it's good too to, to integrate here, focusing on what hasn't changed as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, as you think about baseline activities um, that maybe haven't changed in your business, um, there's a boatload of things that happen outside of those that, that do change, but the baseline things, maybe they don't change. Um, does it make sense for you to restructure a team or a workflow or process or something like that? So the part that hasn't evolved and changed under a lot of duress can continue to thrive on its own. Um, and that could be from a workload perspective, or it could be from a churn uh, perspective of the, the team members. Like, does it make sense to split work up based on who can handle a ton of uh, change and those who cannot? 
that's something that is new to this time. And I think it's a best practice to really assess that with your folks and ask, hey, how close to burnout do you feel like you are? Can you handle any more change? What does it look like when you're comfortable? What does it look like when you're not? Like, help me gauge how I can read your body language and, and see how you're coming across. Those are really important conversations to be having now, Mary, because it's not, this is not something that we are good at. We are not good at saying, hey, I am not handling this well. I need some help. Uh, we are not good at creating psychologically safe environments where people can admit that they may not succeed. Um, and this is where good leaders can really step into this time and, and really say, look, we've been through a lot. And, you know, sorry to say, we're probably going to go through a lot more. How is everyone holding up? Are you doing okay here? And again, how would I know you're doing well? Or how would I know you're struggling? What indicators should I be looking at? I love it when managers tell me that they're doing that. By the way. It invites the conversation. It's kind of crunchy to get into, but once you're in it, enormously rewarding. <coughs> okay, let's pivot to what you got to do. Now. Uh, and what, you know, when I say you, I mean, it's all of us. We just, we have to be clear um, about what's changing. That, that, that behooves everyone. Or so take the time, get an inventory going, get clear on, what's being said in other parts of your organization, where are people getting their information um, and how do they parse it in such a way so that they're clear and whatever's getting in the way of clearly understanding what's changed, what hasn't, that's where we have to do some filtering and, and um, translating, if you will, that's really important. You should be doing that within team settings so everybody gets the information at once. Um, and you should also be doing it in small group as in one-on-one -on -one meetings as well and really checking for understanding and acceptance. Um, and knowing something, understanding it, and accepting it are three different things. So you're literally going to have to approach each conversation with each of those. And like, it's it's just this idea of going slow to go fast in real time. Great managers uh, and leaders are doing this every day, and they're constantly triangulating shared understanding, bandwidth for change, and and the like, and and getting a good sense of what the threshold is, the tolerance of their teams, more they can handle, and when we should be dialing things back and um, how we can do that with some empathy. I think that that's the next bullet point. When you have your finger on the pulse and you're gauging how people are responding, uh, you have an opportunity to not only connect with them in, in a real and in soulful way, um, but you have a chance to guide them through a, a very different, to do that with an awareness of, yeah, we all wanna be across the goal line, we all wanna finish this race is fine, and it's well-intended, but it doesn't meet people where they are. And that's the pivot that awesome leaders make at a time. They meet each player on their team right where they are, and they help them get across the goal line. Um, that can't be scored enough. That is so important that, that we people are spread out all over the field and got to go and get them. Um, that leads with this idea of assessing where your folks are in the change adoption saturation curve. Like change is hard and constant change is a grind and it wears on the psyche. It wears on the soul. It wears on our sense of, of stability and, and, um, and that creates stress and that creates, uh, uh, you know, that manifests in physical ways. It, it manifests in emotional. This is the time to really pay attention to how your folks are. This last bullet that we'll finish on here today. Um, is to really underscore how important it is as leaders that we model the way. Practice good mental health hygiene, um, emotional hygiene. If you need help, ask for it. Um, make sure that folks on your team know that there are resources that are available, whether it's your um, employee assistance program or through their medical provider, or if there are special COVID-19 related resources that your organization may be available to folks. Make sure they know that it's available and make sure that they know that if they choose to make uh, take advantage of those things that you are 
super supportive of it and you will create space to allow those resources to do what they need to do. Um, I think that's really important. And it's, it's not enough to, to say to someone, yeah, call the EAP and I'll see you on Monday. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, call the EAP, yes talk to a counselor on Tuesday, because that's how these things work, um, come back with a revised work plan on Thursday, um, and we'll negotiate and set some priorities that you feel good about contributing to. I can feel good knowing that the most critical work is being done um, by the right people at the right time in the right way. And everything else that's not in that priority queue can either get pushed aside and set on a shelf for the time being, or it can get distributed elsewhere where it would be a priority for those folks. And I think that these are the kinds of things that great leaders and managers do. Um, sometimes they do it intuitively. Sometimes they just need to be reminded that, hey, this is the time to, to, to go slow, to go fast. This is when you pay attention to your teams, you give them the flexibility that they need to thrive in, and you stay out of their way. But you're always there. You're always asking. You're always supportive. Um, and you're always paying. Okay, that's the last slide. Um, great. So let's have Thank you, David. Questions. Yeah. I, I don't know where to even start. Um, here, I can stop your screen for you. Oh, um, so thank you. This was fantastic. And and it really synthesized a lot of what you and I have been discussing in the past few days as well, right? Which is, where do you even start? We'll start by understanding what it is your team members need, meet them where they are. And I, I, I want to start our conversation around um, the hierarchy within the organization and the roles that each people each person plays. So I'm, I'm imagining, you know, sometimes it's easy um, for certain levels to check in on other team members, the sort of skip level conversations rarely happen, especially in an asynchronous environment, right? As we're all yep. barely finding time to have phone calls or video calls with our, our direct reports. Um, how on earth are we going to meet with every single person who reports up to them? And those sort of water cooler conversations appeared. So I guess my question is where, what is the role of senior leadership? Sorry, the sounds of San Francisco coming by here, but um, what is the role of senior leadership in setting the tone here? And how can you deal with the situation where, um, you know, maybe something that's happening at the senior leadership level makes it unclear what priorities are and therefore unclear what people need? Where would you recommend people start thinking about this topic? Yeah, so there, there are two really good questions there. So let's unpack the first one, which is what's the leadership kind of role and responsibility in, in creating connection? I'm gonna just paraphrase my, in my thinking, right? Um, so leaders, are burdened with a numbers bias, right? Um, every organization stacks, you know, in, in, in the way that it does and span of control is what it is. A leader might be responsible for a thousand people. They might have 12 or 13 direct reports and so on down the line. You have various layers, right? Um, so leaders, good leaders are about leverage. Uh, and so what I'm a big fan of are things like holding office hours and drop-ins, um, you know, make yourself available for an hour for anyone who wants to come in, uh, you know, online and just say, hey, I have a question. How about this or how about that? And by that, the leader can, can be approachable. They can be authentic. They can handle real-time questions. They have to be confident. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why people don't do it is they feel like if I'm going to make myself available, I have to be the shell answer man. And it's just not true. Like you don't have to know everything just because you're the VP or you're the director. Like it's perfectly legit to say, great question. I don't know. This is a weird time. Let me go get an answer and I'll come back and I'll share it via email or I'll share it with you privately, whatever. I think that's really, really important. And I love it when leaders do that. And I, as an HR leader, try and have office hours on a regular basis where I just, you know, sometimes you get 
10 people, sometimes nobody shows up, but I know that if I have the, the video conference open, I can multitask and do my own thing. And if someone pops in, awesome. We have a conversation, we resolve their issue, they move on um, and it works. Um, so the second question, um, as you asked about, I think it was changing priorities and how you keep aligned, that type of thing. How you keep the whole group aligned and also kind of, you know, what's <laughs> so there's bandwidth at the, in the, you know, more junior slash middle management ranks, depending on the size of the organization. Uh, and I don't like to talk about it this way, but just for the sake of the question. Um, and then you have senior leaders who are maybe a little bit disconnected from that bandwidth. And so, you know, there are shifting priorities at the top that often, even in a normal situation, they don't necessarily trickle down to everyone else in yeah. a clear and concise format. And so now we have shifting bandwidth. Um, we have shifting priorities at the team level, but they don't necessarily align with leadership level. So, I guess where I'm going is if you're sort of in the middle there, yeah. how can you facilitate that communication and ensure that your team members have clear guidelines and you're able to lead them? Yeah, no, that is a brilliant question. Um, and I think that that, that speaks to um, what I would describe as the hidden gem of managerial responsibility was advocate. Um, if you are a mid-level manager, you are caught between the push and pull of your organization's dynamics. And you, at this moment in time, perhaps more than ever, the most important thing you can do is raise your hand and say, I have a question I can't answer. And it's from my team. And here it is. Um, help me get a good answer for them, please. Um, in whatever context that is, whether it's email and all hands, or, you know, a, an online question form or something like that. Um, this is a really important time to be doing that and to be doing it frequently. And as senior most leaders are in the world, they have uh, a an unbridled responsibility to make sure that that channel is open. Uh, because if they do not, they are completely ineffective. Um, and this is the one thing they can do to create um, a robust connection um, is, is speak to that, le- you know, that leader who might be two or three levels down that they wouldn't otherwise bump into or see in any kind of a conversation to create space where those conversations can organically happen, um, but engineer it in such a way that it's easy for folks to, to advocate for their teams. That's hugely important. And, and that starts with those conversations that, that you mentioned, which is if you're, if you are middle management and you're advocating for your team, you first have to know what their bandwidth is in the first place. Yep. You talked a lot about psychological safety earlier, yeah. and I was hoping to go back to that. Um, you know, how can you create that if maybe you felt you had it in the past, or maybe you knew you didn't have it in the past with your, your coworkers or direct reports. Um, how can we create those conversations today? And the, what is it that you think is like the obstacle here to, to having that type of conversation? Yeah. Awesome question. Um, I think the, <clears throat> the, I think the obstacle is old, old habits. Um, the, you know, that, that there's a notion of you never get a chance to second chance to make a first impression type of a thing. Right. Well, the good news is creating psychological safety is something that can happen and start at any moment. Um, and if you feel like you have not done a great job as a leader in doing that in the past, my guidance is to let it go. Let it go and start right now. Start right now by pausing, creating space for people to chime in on a Zoom call that has 20 people on it. Like create opportunity, ask for people to contribute, make it safe for them by reacting to the, the notions that are brought up in a thoughtful, respectful, polite, caring way, even though it might be the most you know, absurd idea, but like honor the individual. And you can do that right now, even if it's the first time. Um, I implore leaders all the time to recognize that um, and, and to say, 
you know, this idea of, well, you know, kind of if I use a gardening metaphor, well, I haven't been watering the plant for a really long time. It's looking pretty wilted. Like, well, start now, water the plant. So like, and it'll respond, watch and see what happens. I have a plant on my front porch that I water all the damn time. It still looks terrible, but I keep watering it because I know that if I stop, it's going to die. Um, and I know that at some point it will it will come back. And psychological safety, not to diminish the importance by using a silly you know metaphor like my front porch plant, but it's the same thing. If you keep watering it, it will start to thrive at some point. And sure shit, if you stop, it will die. Guaranteed. Yeah. And that, you know, that brings up a, a different point too, which is this idea that if we, and I know that a lot of managers are aware of this, but if, if they ask their, their team members, um, what the obstacles are, whether or not they're able to meet priorities right now, or if they're feeling like they're stretched, then maybe yeah. they're dealing with, um, maybe they have a, a partner who is in on the front lines right now and, and not at home being able to share responsibilities. So those types of things, um, can impact them personally, but then at the same time, if they're in a competitive work environment, right, where they feel yeah. that if they speak up and they say, hey, boss, you know what? I, I just can't handle this right now. I have got too much on my plate. I need to now what happens six months from now when that promotion cycle comes around. Right. And so I would I'd like to talk a little bit around how leaders can get ahead of this promotion cycle, performance review cycle, depending on how you split it up. Yeah. Um, to help these team members understand what's expected of them, even when they're stretched then, um, and and hold them accountable. What role does the manager have to make sure that they're not shortchanging that team member when performance reviews come around? I think it goes back to this idea of advocacy, Mary, and in all honesty, that 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 says I will stand up for you uh, when the time comes because it's the right thing to do. I have integrity. I, you know, we talked about what needed to be done. You got what done, you know, what needed to be done, done. You should get the rewards for that. And even if that was 50% of what you signed up for at the beginning of the year, we, you and me negotiated that that was what mattered most and you delivered. So you should get full credit for that. Um, that is the role of manager. Uh, and, and in this era, that's, you know, I want to say that's why we pay big bucks, but this is why you're in the role that you are, because you are, in theory, gifted with the emotional maturity to have both sides of that conversation. It's the up-level conversation with your manager that says, look, we have to adjust um, our priorities and our deliverables or else we're not going to meet any of them. And so let's align on what's most important and then I'll carry that to my team and we'll distribute the work in such a way that we can get it done. Um, that, that's a very mature grown-up way of handling it. And the alternative, which is to say that, that now that we've done that, you're still on the hook for the other 50% of the things, even though we knew it was never going to be possible, to me, speaks a lot about leadership character of that individual. So um, yeah. I hope no one finds themselves in, in that place, um, but I'm a realist uh, and someone, someone will, you know, I'm sure. Well, and it sounds like given that situation, it's it's often a fear that's the individual feeling that way, right? What if six months from now I've done what we agreed on and now I'm not getting promoted? And so I think it still goes back to that conversation, create safe space for your team members to share their concerns, make sure they understand what the the requirements are, what expectations you have for them today and, and hold them accountable. And so that brings us to a final point I want to make sure we can dive into, which is sometimes they're, you're going to hold them accountable. The expectations are very clear. They've agreed on the expectations. You've made um, some adjustments to the workload to deal with the need for flexibility. Yeah. And they're just still not meeting that expectation over and over. Um, and maybe in a lot of cases, they weren't ever meeting that expectation. And then we ended up in COVID-19 and man, what do we do now? Right. And so 
I had given you a bit of a heads up that I wanted to ask this question, but you know, is right now the time to fire people? And, and what happens when you start to get to those really tough performance conversations in a world where that might seem like a big jerky move for, for a manager to take, but you also have these other team members who are working really hard and there's, they're meeting expectations. How, so the the question here is how should a a leader manager approach those tough performance conversation given the situation today? And when is it right to start to move into those performance um, conversations that might result in termination? Is it, should we all just be waiting six months? Should we, and the answer is of course, no, but what are your thoughts here? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely we cannot wait six. Um, these are the conversations that have to be happening. Um, and is it okay to fire someone in the era of COVID-19? Absolutely it is. If, if you have done all the things to make successful and they have not been able to deliver, it's a foregone conclusion. And it's it's one we would you know hope to avoid for sure because no one wants the added burden of uh, you know uh, of making someone unemployed in this time. Um, but there are no accidental results. Um, you got here by a series of things that happened. And if we've been clear above table um, and purposeful in coaching and providing feedback and there are no surprises, then it, it, it isn't a surprise. And it's, it's a terrible thing. But you made the very good point, even within asking the question, you have other team members who are carrying extra burden because this person is underperforming um, or some, you know, that's creating a drag somewhere. And uh, businesses who who cannot handle this with nuance and tact uh, really run the risk of not surviving. Um, and this is a time to really um, expect a lot out of your people manager because this is um, this is when they have to you know be superhuman in a lot of ways uh, and and not only run a profitable business but but run a lean business and run a business that is efficient and effective and and be super humane and allow folks the latitude, uh, you know, as we've talked about, to, to move things to the back burner. Um, and it's hard. And I think folks really shy away from this. They feel a sense of paralysis, which, you know, then adds to their stress, which makes them a, a less informed, less, less equipped manager because they're not only worried about life and everything, but now they're dealing with this really potentially tricky or thorny performance issue that they feel stifled by. Um, I've heard of a few different HR groups who are saying something of blanket statements like no terms, no pips or anything during this time. And I think that's, um, I don't think that's how I would, um, I being able to say something more along the lines of manage performance like you always would, uh, you know, when targets are set and agreed upon and the folks have what they need to succeed and they're not meeting those objectives, then you have to miss them out. Um, it's just not right and reasonable to otherwise. If there are extenuating circumstances, then let's be mindful of that. But but that just comes into play when we're talking about what is the it that you're responsible and what is the it that you, um, the work that you, um, those should all be very well informed by the realities of absolutely. And a big part of this, of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just to clarify for our audience, we're not advocating that you go around terminating underperformers right now. Um, what we are advocating for is that everybody involved has a really clear idea of what's expected of them and has a safe space to speak up when they need additional support and that has a partner with them, helping them hit those KPIs, making sure they understand, you know, where they're supposed to be moving. And, 
And the extenuating circumstances are like, if they're on the sales team, for example, sales aren't really moving right now. So let's, you know, let's all be realistic of what they're able to perform. But if they're doing the, putting the inputs in and not seeing the same outputs as before, then let's help them adjust the inputs. Let's not, right. So, you know, I think this, this flow of how can you build that trust, create that psychologically safe space, manage for performance, really help people understand what they need. And in that process, provide training on what they should be doing. You know, I think we've shifted in a huge way for, you know, into this asynchronous communication, remote work, and your team members might not have that clarity of how they're supposed to advocate for themselves, speak up about their accomplishments and wins. They might not know when they can ask for that extra support. Um, And what we're seeing in our, in our coaching conversations within Marlowe even is people are feeling like they have more work than ever before, right? A lot of people are even without external challenges. They're feeling like their, their meetings are starting at 8 a.m. and ending at 6, 7 p.m. Um, because there's just more going on. And so how can you adapt and create that safe space? But then, you know, David, as you mentioned, like what we're also seeing is this struggle of our team's not going to hit our, our adjusted targets even because what we thought was possible doesn't seem to be possible because so-and-so is not carrying their weight. And, and we've got to help the rest of our team out there. So thanks for sharing all of that. Oh, sure. I, I think uh, just a closing thought that, you know, two, two pieces. One is something I find myself on a regular basis is that work is still a place of, um, even in this era, like you are, you've been hired to take responsibility and to do something that someone else couldn't. Um, that basic fundamental fact has not changed. Uh, in, in return for you doing those things, you are granted certain things, pay and, and the like, right? Um, that matters. And I think that that some of the characteristics of organizations we've just been talking about that might handle some of this in a negative or, or poorly handled way really suffer from uh, just having a very low trust uh, index in, in their culture. And I think now is a really important time for leaders to to reflect and honestly think, like, do I see behaviors here at work, my work, my team, my, my org, that indicates that people trust us. They trust our intention. They trust our, um, our that we're going to do our due diligence. That we're going to enable them to do the right things, and that we're going to stand at, you know, step out of their way when they're on a roll and they're doing cool stuff. Or, or are we seeing that they do not trust us, and that that behavior indicates that we have a low trust environment? Being honest about wherever you might fall on that spectrum, right here, right now, is probably the most singly important thing that a good leader can do. And then act accordingly. Um, if there is trust that needs to be built, much like creating a psychologically safe workplace, start right now. And take that that accountability, which I hear you saying, right? This, Absolutely. If you have an underperforming team, look to yourself first, right? Look to those Absolutely. things that you can develop. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We... We always end our conversations on both the Marlowe podcast and our webinars with, um, you know, what are you, what resources are you leaning toward these days? What do you use to um, kind of find inspiration on on how to lead your team? You know, it's a great question and one I wish I was prepared for. Um, I did I, not give you a heads up on this no, one, sorry. No, it, 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 it either you didn't give me a heads up on the other ones or I just breeze right by them because uh, it all sounded very new to me, um, which is fine. Uh, I, I will tell you, uh, working in the Google ecosystem as I am now, I am actually really digging YouTube. Um, YouTube has become, um, there's so, there, there just some really well curated, um, I guess they're called playlists, I guess they're, you know, series of YouTube videos and, and whatnot um, uh, around a variety of topics, whether it's COVID and workplace related stuff or just arts and entertainment um, really great stuff. So that is what's keeping me sane these days, to be honest, um, and keeping my 
curiosity alive. Um, there are some really, really interesting people out in the world doing cool stuff. And, um, and I, I have found a little window into that through YouTube. Nice little promo in there for Google, but we love it. <laughs> uh, well, David, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to have a conversation with me today. And, um, you know, I hope our audience has found it valuable. I know I have. We would love to have you back on at some point in the future. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes. 